Okay, I'm speeding. Hi. Hi. How's it going today? It's all right. We had a bit of a blow up in the middle of the woods today. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. We went for a walk in the woods in the middle of New York City. Yeah. There are actually woods in the middle of New York City. I've almost hit a deer twice driving around here. Yeah, it's really weird. There are a lot of deer. And wild turkeys. Yes, those two. Speaking of turkeys, something big happening this week. I don't know what you're talking about. No? Thanksgiving. Oh, that. That's happening this year? Well, I mean, it's not really happening. It's more like, oh, this week is Thanksgiving. It's the week of Thanksgiving. Yes. But Thanksgiving isn't really happening. Yeah. Unless you're okay with potentially getting really sick and dying. Or killing your grandmother. Or killing your grandmother. Are you into killing your grandmother? No. I was supposed to go down and visit my grandmother. And then I canceled it because I didn't like the way that cases were going. That was the right thing to do. I know it was. Even though I I was just like rooting for the numbers to go back down. Yeah. I think you were also rooting for me to go away. We've been, we've been in quarantine since last April. I think I'm well within my. Uh, I think it's understandable. I. Uh, yeah, but no, it all got canceled because too many people out there were being irresponsible about all of this. Yes. And somehow seemed to mix up the idea that. Uh, I don't know the. What is what is the excuse? Well, I'm a free person, therefore I'm free to get people sick? Or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Or just, it's fake. Uh, or it's no worse than the flu, who cares? Or something like yeah, that. So all kinds of nonsensical excuses. Yeah. And then the day after I canceled my visit to Grandma, my uncle called and canceled Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, that was sad. That was very sad, because we didn't have one last year either. Yeah, Through we're no supposed to like our own. go at last year. My my fam- we always do Thanksgiving with my family because Thanksgiving is the big holiday for my family. They're obsessed with food, and uh, they're mostly Jewish, kind of. So they don't really care that much about Christmas. Um, but last year. Um, unusually, everyone decided to go in different directions for Thanksgiving, and so we didn't have a traditional one, um, and instead we all met together the day after Thanksgiving and had Mexican food. Yeah, it didn't, that wasn't the same, though. Which, yeah, it wasn't quite the same. We didn't have the vibe. And we were supposed to go back to, like, doing a slightly more traditional one this year, Albeit with slightly fewer people than normal. Mm. Um, and then that was canceled too. Well, we listen to the experts, don't we? Yeah. In this household. Yeah, and every single public health group plus general governments are saying don't do it. Yeah. So yeah. don't do it. It's interesting seeing some of the red states shift, shift into sort of a cautious uh, 
form of governance. Not all of them, but some of the ones that were initially resistant to the expert advice are now seeing seeing numbers rise in a way where they kind of have to respond the way they initially didn't want to. Yeah, well, I mean, if it gets to a point where you can't fit people into hospitals and even if you could, there wouldn't be enough doctors to treat them, then you've kind of got a problem mm -hmm. that's hard to ignore. You know, it's interesting. I, I was, you know, I cycle through some of these various news um, outlets and one of them interviewed a patient from one of these red states and she was, she was dying. Um, uh, one of the nurses uh, was interviewed, not the patient, and the nurse was saying that, she, she said, do you want me to call your parents? Do you want me to get our, your relatives on the phone so you can talk to them? Because she, she was dying. She's like, these, these are going to be the last time you'll be able to communicate with them. But she was in complete denial. She's like, oh, it's it's a fake thing. It's just a cold. You know, Trump says it's not real and all that stuff. And it's just like she died. And so she didn't even get to say goodbye because she was in such denial. Yeah, that just seems ridiculous. Like, dude, you're in the hospital. And they're telling you you're dying. Even if they have, like, the diagnosis wrong or something. Yeah. You it, still... We live in a very, very sad era in terms of like just how deep ignorance has gotten into sort of the United States culture uh, terrifying really and uh, yeah this is the first of several holiday episodes that yes. you can look forward to yes. you may have noticed if you've been listening that I changed my, my podcast name and I changed my logo sort of I added like a purple sort of tint to the logo and I changed it from Eric Cine Life Podcast to the Eric Norcross Podcast. Jan, why did I do that? Well, so that you could discuss topics other than cinema. Right. Yes, I, I, I felt like limiting myself to just cinema wasn't allowing me to have the output of material that I was burning to do. And I thought, well... Why don't I start a second or third one and have several podcasts, but you voted against that. And so I just like, you know what? I'll just change the title. I'll yes. change the title. I could still talk about cinema and my art life, my city life, how, whenever I, I want, whenever I feel like I need to. But I can also dabble in other subject matters, which is who I am as a person anyway. I am fairly well-rounded in other subject matters, Fair, fairly experienced and highly opinionated in other subject matters. Yes, even when you have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> that's 99% of all podcasters. Yes. <laughs> and I, I will happily acknowledge if I don't know about something, which is more than I can say about Joe Rogan. Yeah. So, hey, you got something on your side. What just happened with your microphone? Uh, that was Galahad decided to jump over it. Mm, angel face. Yes. So, um, we both hate a Christmas story. Yes, we do. Why do we hate it? And why does everybody else seem to love it? I don't know. Honestly, I don't remember it that well. I've seen it maybe once or twice, and I never... 
I don't know. I just didn't Holy find shit. it relatable. I just saw something th- from three minutes ago on Twitter. What? GSA had Emily Murphy, who's been getting a lot of shit. She was going to inspire our podcast about evil through bureaucracy and not doing one's job. Guess what Emily Murphy did? She has moved to officially begin transitioning and give President-elect Joe Biden the resources to transition, including $6.3 million. Oh, yeah. We're, see, That's I good. had been putting together a, an episode about evil. That was going to be this episode. Then we're like, oh, well, it's Thanksgiving, so we can't talk about evil. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess we well, could, but. I mean, what's Thanksgiving for if not arguing with your relatives with different political views? But we have similar political views. Yeah, that is the problem. The only person in this household that has different political views is James, but we always put him out in the hallway when he, when he starts <laughs> crying. James is a cat, by the way. Yeah, and weirdly, like, all of my relatives are kind of on the same page politically. Like, they might ha- have slight differences of opinion, but generally they agree with each other. Or well, don't care enough to argue. Do you want me to read this letter? What letter? The letter that she sent to the Honorable Joseph Biden. Jr. No, that oh. sounds boring. It's like two pages. It's really interesting. And why would you read a two-page letter from a bureaucrat? Because I've been following this for the last couple of weeks because it's been fascinating to me, the resistance that a legally elected leader of the free world has been getting from the previous administration to start the transition. Yeah, it is kind of interesting how, like, all of these things that we just kind of took for granted would happen. Things that no one ever thought about before. They were just, like, little boxes with check marks to go through the process have now become a huge deal. (laughs) So, like, no one knows how, who the, or what the GSA is. I mean, maybe if you're, like, a longtime political insider, you know about it. But based on my understanding, it's it's not even, like, it's, like, the organization that or- orders furniture and stuff, I think. And just, like, handles, like, some basic budgets and stuff. Well, they handle the I money think. used in the transition, so. yeah. But they also take the lead on other departments kind of doing their part during the transition. So if you think about like uh, the Secretary of State, his office was basically like, well, unless Emily Murphy pulls the trigger, we can't talk to the Biden team. Well, now they don't have that excuse. They have to talk to the Biden team. Mm -hmm. And they have to. Also, there was a huge issue with the background checks because he's starting to select all of his people for his administration but they can't start the background checks which they which they needed to kind of start a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and fbi background checks require the transition to officially have been started so now they can do the background checks as well so that's pretty sweet Ooh, cool. that's very exciting yeah these days we're literally getting excited or Eric is getting excited by a bureaucrat signing a piece of paper. Yeah, so I've been following this uh, 
Because and I never thought much about it. I know. Nobody did. No one did. I just said that. I know. It's, it's fascinating to me. Uh, how one letter dictates, you know, the smoothness of uh, a transition between one from one democratically uh, elected party to another. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So, wow, that just happened while we were recording. Wow. History. History transpiring. Yeah. Wonderful. Is it history, though, if it's happened so many times before? It's just happening in a different way now. I think it's. I think this is way more important because it was clearly somebody digging in their heels because they didn't want they didn't want the other side to win. Mm-hmm. It was digging in their heels uh, for no real reason other than personal self interest. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we were talking about the Christmas story. I know. I hate that movie. I don't know why people like it. I guess certain people find it funny or relatable or something. Because it's really well loved. Yeah. But it's, uh, well, it's based on a book by uh, Gene Shepard. The title of the book is actually called In God We Trust. All Others Pay Cash, which is a wonderful title. I love that title. Makes yeah. me want to read it, even though I don't like the movie. Yeah, well, you might like the book and not the movie. That's not uncommon. I guess it depends on how anchored the story is in that damn gun. Because one of the things I didn't like about the movie is it was anchored in this kid's obsession with a, a rifle, a BB gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I've never, I couldn't access that. I didn't understand it. Did you have a BB gun as a kid? Yeah, and it was like, I never really used it because whenever... So we had this rescue dog named Fritz. And uh, for those of you who are fresh to this podcast, I actually wrote a short story about Fritz. It's called Fritz, and you can find it on my website. Um, Fritz was a rescue dog who had some emotional problems, and we think he might have had experiences with uh, a family that had misused guns because whenever I brought it out to practice on a target, he would start flipping out. So I kind of just stopped. I decided to stop using the BB gun for target practice and just decided not to be a gun person. I decided against really um, growing my marksmanship because I, I just, I understood that there was something wrong with Fritz as it concerned weaponry like that. So I, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to animals. Yeah. As you know. Which is why you can hear all of this chaos and noise in the background as our cats run around and cause chaos. Because we love them and therefore we allow them to cause chaos. Even though it's kind of annoying sometimes. But avoiding picking random things up off of the floor is less important than their happiness. (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of interesting how uh, 
you kind of turn away from guns. It's uh, one thing. Um, my dad, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, was actually an expert marksman. He was a really good shot. He used to do trick shots when he was younger. Um, but he never actually taught me how to shoot. Um, possibly because we lived in the min- middle of Manhattan and it, it could have been a little iffy trying to teach a kid to shoot there. Um, well, they have gun ranges in Manhattan. They're just... You have to subscribe to them, and they're underground and stuff like that. But yeah, but also he was always bored with gun ranges. I I got the impression that like um, he was a good enough shot that they were kind of boring for him because he could always predict where the things were going to go next. Um, Targets were too big. They stayed too still and everything like that. Um, I actually did do a little bit of riflery in summer camp, but despite having a father who was an expert shot, um, I evidently did not inherit that. Um, I could barely hit the target in riflery, in archery. At one point, they tried to teach me knife throwing, and I could oh, I barely hit the target too. there. I had a bow and arrow. Did you know that? I did. Yeah, it was a fiberglass bow. And the problem with that, though, is the arrows were never... They never seemed aerodynamically refined. And so even though I, I knew how to use it, they always got blown out of <laughs> out of direction. Hmm. Even accounting for like the breeze. Like I knew how to account for the breeze and all that. But I don't know. I, I think that they were cheap. The the arrows at least were kinda cheap. But uh yeah. I, I remember that too. That was all the same arrow. Yeah. I was just a plain old bad shot. Other people could hit the targets with arrows, yeah. and then they gave them to me, and I missed. No, I, and, I, and I, th- I think after I put the gun down too, I, I, I really took up sort of an artist mindset. This was back in, I want to say, middle school, maybe even late elementary, hmm. and um, I've been anti-gun ever since. I mean, I really have. Yeah. Not crazy about them. They're just kind of noisy and... Deadly. And deadly. And also just like living (laughs) in a big city, you really should not have guns here. Like if you're living in the middle of, I don't know, Kansas or something and the police can't come... And you feel better having a rifle nearby, then that's fine. You know, some years back, um, I think I might have been in my MFA or my BA, or it wasn't too long ago, but um, I don't know if you remember, I connected with a kid that I had gone to film school with in Vancouver. 
I do remember that. And yeah. It turned out that he he had stopped making films and decided to move to Calgary to um to teach people how to shoot guns. And he became real I mean, he was probably a real right winger when I knew him, but it never really hit home because we were both young and we were both focused on movies. But man, this guy was a real right winger, um, and he was talking about how how the sec- how important the Second Amendment is to making sure that you always have the First Amendment. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, because those... the amendments the the amendments themselves the amendment itself make sure that you have it like the fact that we have a first amendment is enough and it's just like you know if if there was ever a violent uprising or or something like that you think whatever gun we have access to is going to be able to to do business with what the military has absolutely not if people don't if a government institution doesn't want us using our freedom of speech Believe me, they'll regulate that into into place, and most people will obey it uh, until they decide not to. And even if they decided not to, uh, you know, it's just I just don't buy the whole thing where, oh well, the Second Amendment exists so that to defend the first or something like that. Like it's just bullshit. Yeah. Also, it doesn't at all suggest that in the Constitution. No. the The reason it's there is because the the governors who were working under the king rule at the time were afraid that these people who had them for hunting purposes would use them against the British regulars. Uh, and so they tried to run an operation where they would kind of just take their weaponry. Which would then leave the people unable to feed themselves. <laughs> Which we know the British were more than willing to do because they did it when they annexed uh, Ireland, which eventually led to the famine. So it's not like it's unheard of. The British did that shit. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the whole Second Amendment is really rooted in food, not in war. And, 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 and I think we talked about the Second Amendment in the last episode, but it's on my mind. It's been on my mind lately because it's just so much misinterpretation about it. Yeah. What the... And also, just to clarify, like, neither of us are necessarily anti-gun. I'm pretty anti-gun. Yeah, but you're not saying that, like, if someone needs it, like, in the middle of nowhere to make sure they're they're safe, they can't have it, Uh, and they know how to use it, and... Just be careful. Be careful with it, man. Yeah. That shit is dangerous. Yeah, and I some of my relatives actually used to have one because, like, they weren't sure that uh, police vehicles could get up the hill to their house and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, eh. I mean, are we talking about Carmel? Yeah. Yeah, but that was, that's a crazy town. That's sort of an outlier of sort of, the southern part of New York State. If you think about like all the areas uh, south of Poughkeepsie, Carmel is sort of the right wing outlier in terms of just like you know really like NRA 
NRA types. I actually, it's it's uh, multiple places in that county um, tend to be more right wing, but that particular case was more a matter of just if we need help, can anyone actually get to us? Mm. And in some cases, like if it was raining too heavily or something, they wouldn't people wouldn't be able to get to them. Yeah, but yeah, those when, relatives uh, moved. We, so. we first got that car and I had that car up there and it didn't even snow. It was just, it got so cold over the course of the night that somehow whatever moisture was in the air managed to freeze to the surface. And I had to, the car had to slide down the driveway and I ended up going through the grass. Did I ever tell you that? Yes, you did. Like, it's, that was a dangerous incline. Yeah, it was. And, uh, so imagine going down an icy pavement on a curvy, steep hill and hoping that eventually you turning your wheel will result in the car turning when it needs to turn. So there's one, two, there's three turns that you have to do in that regard. And I managed to do all three of them. With the last one me, of me going down into the grass. <laughs> yes. You didn't crash. So, you didn't well, crash. I crashed into the grass. Well, I'm not sure it counts as a crash if you go into the grass. It was frozen grass. Yeah, even so. I mean, I once drove into the grass. That's true. It's... I feel like we should offer some kind of advice in this episode. About how to drive on slippery about anything <laughs> driveways. Really. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what we've been doing? How we've been kind of getting along, how we've been sort of finding some tradition to stick with through this whole pandemic. We've been listening to Warren Zevon. Yes. That has been really helpful. Yeah, so I've been using a lot of my credit card points to kind of um, pick up all of Warren Z. Bond's albums. Mostly on CD, because Amazon will give you free digital downloads of an album if you buy it on CD. Sometimes, though, the CD is cost prohibitive, so I'll buy the digital album instead. And I think we only got two more to go, and then we'll have gone through everything Warren Zevon has ever released. We've been doing it for three months straight. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that Every long time though. we go out in the car, I bring a new album. Today we listened to My Rides Here. And, you know, by the time we're done with these last two albums, we'll have consumed all of Warren Zevon's back catalog. Which is instantly really good, and yeah. I would highly recommend everyone checking it out. Oh, inspirational. As a writer, top quality. Yeah, he's a really good lyricist. Um, and, uh, he's also a good musician. And... So I'd say we've probably got a couple rides left with his back catalog. And then, I don't know, we'll find something else. I got a few a few bands on the back burner I wouldn't mind consuming. Yeah, you mentioned maybe the Counting Crows. Yeah, yeah. That's another situation where I know some of their songs. But I don't know their songs in the context of their albums. And I'd be interested to see how they go together. Mm-hmm. How they fit into sort of the greater narrative of each album. Yeah. And then how each album uh, fits together. 
Yeah, I feel like these days people don't really think in albums because that's not how anyone listens to music anymore. Yeah, they buy tracks or they Spotify mixes and stuff like that. But I I, kind of got into them because there was always so much energy uh, and thought put into albums. Yeah, and even though, like, songs work individually, like, listening to them, you really can kind of see, like, I understand why these are next to each other. I get, like, the overall theme of it. It kind of, it just, it gives an additional layer to the music. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good tradition. And it yeah. really has inspired me as a writer. Um, I used to, you know, that's kind of how I wrote a lot of my initial screenplays and stories is I just listened to albums straight through. And then at some point in my adulthood, albums became less of a deal and music became less influential. And, you know, I think I'd like to see moving forward music become more influential. And I, and I think that's going to happen with the consumption of music albums and, and sort of feeling getting a sense of what the artist was thinking when they were putting their albums together. So, Yeah, and it does seem to be... Um, uh, I know that vinyl is becoming much more um, popular. I read uh, something recently saying that for the... Oh, man. Our cats are nuts. So I read something recently saying that for the first time in decades, uh, sales of records have outpaced sales of CDs. Yeah. And it actually would be really cool to get a lot of these uh, albums on record, but you don't have a record player, so. Yeah, I wouldn't get a record player here. Yeah. I would wait until I could, you know, have a space that's cut off from the animal side of this household because you know think about all the dust and fur that's always in the air right and those landing on the records and this is like it would sound terrible yeah also just general chaos no i'm content with digital and cds and well cd is digital it's a form of digital um that's fine with me it is yeah cd's digital sure really yeah huh i didn't know that yeah I did a test. I um, because one of the Warren Zevon albums I got, I also got a digital download with, and so I ripped the CD as well. And then I did a side by side comparison, and I couldn't tell the difference. They're Uh-oh. exactly the same. Whereas if I were to have ripped a cassette or a vinyl, I would have heard background noise. I would have heard a hiss of some kind. I know for a fact I would. Oh, I do remember when I was a kid. Um. My, I think my parents somehow like transferred vinyl records onto cassette tapes or something. Yeah, I, I remember some of the older parents when I was a kid doing that too. And yeah, a lot of the music I had access to were cassette tapes, and you could tell that they were transferred from records because. You, you would hear the skips and you would hear the hiss and you would hear the, the of the needle going onto it. And the skips remained because when they would record the vinyls, they had to record it in real time. So they probably recorded it and walked away, you know, and let it just go. And so they didn't hear it skip. And so the skip just sort of became a part of the music. 
And I remember for the first time hearing some of this music long after the fact, you know, on a CD or on a, a purchased cassette tape rather than a recorded cassette tape and hearing music, hearing the same songs without the skips and being totally weirded out. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, lyrically or musically. Um, but yeah, that's, that was a very regular part of uh, my music history. Was there anything in the process? I, I vaguely remember this one cassette tape that I think was based on a record and I don't remember skips or anything. I, I was, quite young at this point but one thing i do remember is it being faster than it should have been is there anything like about that process that could have caused it to speed up i'm not sure i, I mean i suppose if you had the if you had a record player that could play at different speeds and maybe they had it on the wrong speed that's a possibility but um, I don't know. I would have to listen to the recording and try to ascertain. Yeah, and what I happened. Don't have any of the. I mean, we don't even have a cassette player, <laughs> so it wouldn't even matter anyway. True. Well, there's, there's there's an idea for you guys. So go back to albums, right? Who do you who who have you been interested in digesting? I took this the same project. I, I did it with a lot of old literature I've always wanted to digest. Remember back in when I when I returned to school in my undergrad, I like I always wanted to read Moby Dick. Well, I read Moby Dick, you know, mm-hmm. and we got time to do stuff like that. And so I'd say that's a great sort of tradition to have for right now. Maybe uh, every week digest a new album, one that you haven't heard back to back before, or every day works too. Yeah, but people might have stuff to do. You know. I'd say once a week is all, is pretty good to start. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's that's my advice for today. Uh, and then if we get off on that whole Count and Crows thing, we'll update you on that. But we're still technically on Warren's Yvonne. We've got a couple more to go. And uh, we'll let you know how that ends. Yes. And uh, in the meantime, we should probably go and start trying to shepherd our cats. <laughs> You're on your own with that. I always am. See you guys.